and Peg clicks, got it. <laughs> Today, we're going to do something really special. God put it on my heart um, about a month and a half ago to have people share their testimonies, how they came to Christ and what a little bit about what God, Jesus and God have done for your life in the years that you have made the switch. <laughs> have you tried Jesus? Yes. And <clears throat> it's interesting because <clears throat> the last week I have, people have recommended two movies that I've watched. And interestingly enough, they've both been testimonies. One was not particularly biblical, but it was wonderful because it was about the first youngest person to solo sail around the world, Jessica Watson in 2009. And it was just a beautifully filmed, beautiful story of, you know, this girl with a dream and her family supported her and it was pretty awesome. And last night I was talking to Sue Keeper and she recommended Faith Like Potatoes, which I thought, huh, what's that going to be? Well, it turned out to be re a really a testimony about this guy who had an awful temper. He would just fly off the handle, be so mean to people. And the cool thing is it's a true story. Both of these are true stories. This one was about um, Angus Bouchon, who's Scotsman, who lived in South Africa during the time when the Zulus and the white farmers were really, uh, it was tough, lots of death. And he ended up, he was a big time farmer, but he ends up get, giving his testimony of what happens after he sees a miracle of God in his life. And it's an amazing, amazing film. Which I thought was interesting because um, I thought was interesting because there we go. Um, I thought was interesting. Sorry, I had to mute something there. I thought it was interesting because here I had asked some people to give a testimony like a month plus ago. <laughs> and all of a sudden, right before we're doing this, God is bombarding me with this awesome, awesome <laughs> movies that are testimonies. And it made me think, you know, if we want to save anything, ourselves, our family, our world, again, the place to start is here. But then once you get it here, what do you do with it? Well, you, you, Angus, his pastor, when he came and did an altar call with his whole family, the first instructions he gave him was right from the book of Acts. Angus said, what can I do to help God? <laughs> Which I thought was a great question. I wish we'd all ask that more often. And the, and the pastor said, tell the first three people you know about what Jesus has done for you. So it's one thing when we tell people we about, have you heard about Jesus? It's a whole other thing when we tell people what Jesus has done for us. Now they're interested. Now they've got a testimony. Now they've got a testimony. And it was funny because when Angus, you know, I'm blowing parts of the movie too bad. So sad. But when he comes away from the pastor, he starts on, on he's on the streets of the city and he sees somebody and he just turns his back and runs the other way. Then he sees another person and he turns his back and runs the other way. Then he sees somebody he knows and the guy walks right up to him. So there's no getting away from it. So he goes in and they have a drink and he's reluctantly at first tells him what Jesus has done for him. And then God just starts to do amazing book of Acts. So I'm really excited to hear testimonies today. I'm very excited for, for what the doors God's going to open with this podcast. And uh, we have three beautiful, awesome people that I've known for decades 
that I love like my very soul, and I couldn't be happier to introduce, we're going to have three, but ladies first. So the first one up to bat is my wonderful, amazing, faith-filled friend, Tina Hill. I think every time we talk, one of the things we say is, hello, my friend who's very blessed and highly favored. Right, Tina? That's right. <laughs> so take it away, Tina. So thank you. Um, yeah, God's love and his grace and mercy has um, basically, truly followed me all the days of my life. Matthew 6, 6 says, um, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Mm. And when thou shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. At the age of seven, I opened my little family Bible. I've been reading for about a year or so by then. And I opened to this particular scripture. And I remember it very well and very vividly as if it was yesterday. Both of my parents at that time were um, passed out, drunk alcoholics. And I was the fourth child of five kids. and. When I read that scripture, I went into this little, it's a tiny little four by four, single little open door closet. And I shut the door and I sat in there and I prayed. Hmm. I had not been led to church. I had no one to my knowledge. I don't recall anyone ever teaching me about God and his word. Hmm. All I can say, it was God's grace and mercy that led me to that, to that scripture and when I went in the closet and I prayed, and so I was seven and I don't remember what month it was, but I do know that same year while I was seven, my father stopped drinking mm -hmm. and throughout the rest of his life, never took another drink again. Mm. And I don't know. I mean, I have no way of knowing if it was only because God heard the prayer of a little seven-year-old who had opened their hearts unto God or, or not. Wow. Fast forward um, about five years later, at the age of 12, almost 13, I had, again, another hunger in my heart. And it makes me think about Matthew 5, 6. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Those words are true. And at different times, I know in my life, I've had hunger for different things. At the age of seven, I was obviously hungering for some comfort and some peace. And now at the age of 12, I was hungering to know God. A friend of mine um, and her family faithfully went to church every week. So I started going to their church. It was about a mile and a half walk from my house, but I would go and meet them there and go to church just because I was wanting to know more about God. And I don't know, I don't remember how long I did that. It was probably, I'm assuming maybe for four or five months, maybe, I don't know. But then it got to the place in my life to where, <clears throat> again, my hunger at that point was to know him. But then I was like, well, you know, and I started doing other things and, um, Met a young man, I was 15 and he was 17, fell madly in love with him, decided I was going to run away with him and get married. So we didn't have a car. 
he sold one of his jackets or something. I don't know what he sold. He sold something and had about a hundred bucks. His friend Don had a car. So, okay, I'll take y'all. I know a little town in West Georgia that'll marry you. And so he drove us there. Those people wouldn't marry us. We went to another town. They would marry us. But this time we were gone for about two weeks, two and a half weeks. And the driver, Don, his name was Don Vickery. He said, I got to get back home. I can't be taking y'all anywhere else. So I said, well, take me to my grandmother's house. Can you do that before you go home? She lived in Dalton, Georgia. And so he said, yes. So he drove us up to Dalton, Georgia, literally, literally opened the door, let us out. He was so tired of it, I think, and took off. We walked up to the door. I knocked on the door. No answer. On the side of the doorpost where this house had one of those um, black U.S. mailboxes. And it had a stack of mail about this thick in it. And so we walked around to the side of the house. It was early evening. It hadn't become dark yet. We checked all the windows, checked all the doors. Everything was locked tight. We literally had zero money in our pockets. Our only source of transportation was gone. Now, this was back in 1972. So there were no such things as, you know, cell phones or any of that. So we walked around back and, and I was starting to literally freak out, you know, no way to get in the house, no way to call, nothing. And so I looked up to the sky and I said, you know, I said, God, help me, help us. I don't know what to do. And tears filled my eyes. And I just said, God, help me. Literally within three minutes, a man walked around towards the backyard, and I recognized him from visiting my grandmother in years past. He was a friend of my grandmother's. His name was J.D., and he said, what are you doing here? And blah, blah, blah. we told him the story, and of course, he had decided to come check on the house. My grandmother had been down in Miami for the whole month, and he had just decided at that time to come check on the house. And he had a key to the house, let us in. Needless to say, God answered that prayer. My prayer at that time in my life was God help me. And that was my hunger. And I was filled immediately. Fast forward a couple more years later, and I was dabbling in some drugs. I was dabbling, um, you know, with smoking pot and some other things. I, at the age of 17, took a job at Kmart. Kmart, um, for those of you that don't know, it was like a, it was the old fashioned Walmart. It was one of the original. <clears throat> I got hired and trained with this girl who I was extremely attracted to, not physically, but, but spiritually because of her light. She was happy. She was positive. I was a very scared, confused young girl at that time. And I was extremely attracted because she was just positive and, and she, she was friendly towards me. We went through training together. Um, we were working side by side together and we became friends. I asked her, you know, one day after work, you want to go, you know, we got some pots. You want to come over? You want to get high? And she's like, no, I'm just high on the Lord. I'm like, how's that? And she just started talking to me. Her, she had moved from Indiana to Savannah, Georgia with her father. And she had just taken a class called Powerful Abundant Living. And um, so she 
taught me about praying and not having fear and just totally changed my life. She gave me some books. She gave me the Powerful But Living book. She gave me Receiving the Holy Spirit Today book. I read both of those. I led myself into speaking in tongues. I just, anything God said, I, I, I believed it. And throughout my entire life, I have been through some very low, low valleys. And I've been into some very mountaintop, wonderful, wonderful things in my life. But I know this, our God is faithful. His, he, his goodness follows us all the days of our life. And, um, you know, I think about that song, It Is No Secret, it's an old hymn. It is no secret what the Lord can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what the Lord can do. So that's my little brief, brief, very brief testimony. God bless y'all. Wow, I've known you uh, since 74. What's that, almost 50 years? And I never heard that story before in completion. Thank you so much. That was so inspiring. Really, I mean, this is what testimonies do. I just got built up. I want to, I want to, I want to get closer to God, and I'm pretty close. <laughs> that's that's the power of a testimony. So going down the uh, thing of person I knew next, Ron, batter up. <laughs> All right. So Ron Arns, for anyone on the phone or the line that doesn't know me, and uh, when Peg. Uh, asked me to share my testimony, uh, basically kind of entitled it, How God Through Jesus Christ and His Word Reached an Ambivalent Heart. Um, and a short answer of how I got into the Word is someone cared enough to invest in my life because she recognized and that I got it named me as one of his, you know, and loved God enough to get out of her comfort zone uh, to meet and talk to a total stranger, you know, and um, so that's a short answer. Longer answer is kind of two opposing uh, precepts or truths. The first one uh, uh, is in uh, Proverbs 29, 18. Hey, Ron. Hey, yeah. Ron. I didn't get out of my comfort zone when I came up to you at Bennigan's. No. <laughs> okay, good for you. Just, I would have. <laughs> make that slight correction. Okay. Well, righteous um, and bold as a lion. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, so in the in the new international version, we read in uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen that where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. So basically, without revelation or preaching of the revelation of God, people are unrestrained. Uh, physically, that's manifested essentially in going your own way, doing what's right in your, in your own eyes. And that can hit the gamut from... Uh, basic disregard or simple disbelief to malicious and abject evil. 
you know, and spiritually, um, essentially it's to wander aimlessly, you know, to go through life without any real godly eternal purpose, you know, so that's one side of the coin. And uh, the other is um, uh, right here that blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. And another way of saying that is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. So a little background, probably a lot of you know, I grew up on a farm, small town, Minnesota, Graceville to be exact, named founded by uh, Irish Catholic clergyman, Bishop Grace. Now, there were basically two churches in town. There was the Catholic Church and a Lutheran Church. My family attended the Catholic Church. And pretty much every week, I was at weekly mass. Even first three years of school, went to a parochial school until that closed down. Um, and every week, um, I didn't, you'd, they'd read snippets of the epistle of Paul to the Romans or Corinthians or some other group, and then the gospel of John or Matthew or Mark or Luke. And to my bad, even though I listened to it and kind of understood it and appreciated it, it never piqued my interest enough to actually know where these snippets were coming from where these snippets were coming. Just, never crossed my mind and and so much less to go deeper and read more you know and it wasn't actually until like ninth grade when some kids from uh who transferred to the public school from the lutheran school that they had been going to talked about learning scriptures and reading it that i had the thought that hmm i wonder what i was missed uh, may have missed all this mm -hmm. time Yet, unfortunately, that's as far as it went, the thought at that point. So the pattern continued on in my life where uh, through college, my first job, that kind of stuff, um, continued going to church on a pretty regular basis, uh, but never really getting too deep into things. And um, so here I was, 21 years old. I uh, had a decent job, had a house a little later on, a, a lake cabin in northern Minnesota. And, um, you know, from, from the outside, it probably felt or even looked like things were going okay. But then a curveball hit. In 1984, went through one of those life changes that suddenly realized that the life that I kind of thought I was going to have and expected to have wasn't going to be that way. And it's at that point that I kind of realized that, Ron, you kind of need to take some direction in your life. Because it wasn't like my life was horrible or anything like that. It was contrary, it was actually pretty decent. But in my heart, it was like, something's missing. I realized I don't really have a vision. I'm going through life, but I don't have a purpose. Mm. So at that point, you know, I 
kind of changed my lifestyle a little bit in, in, in terms of kind of got into the party lifestyle a little bit, probably not, probably pretty mild compared to what a lot of people have been through, but for button down farm boy, <laughs> it was definitely different. <laughs> I had grown up, but it wasn't long before I realized that that's not what it was. So I started thinking about, um, what about grad school? Maybe go to one of these elite colleges. I had seen how that had opened the doors to some people that I had met during that time frame and that kind of stuff. But I was thinking kind of when, where, how, and why, most importantly, why? What is it that I'd get into? I mean, accounting was fine, but it wasn't really that much into it. Um, and the nagging question in the back of my mind was, surely there's more to life than 70 years in a hole in the ground. And I realized that, you know, I didn't have a purpose, didn't have a vision. And during that time, I had uh, kind of reconnected with some college friends and we um, uh, would go out on Friday night and hang out and that kind of stuff. And then in 1986, Holy Week, since we had Friday off, we decided to get together on Thursday night instead. And we ended up at Bennigan's in Minnesota there. And my friends decided they were gonna leave early. I thought I'd hang around just a little bit more, took one more walk around the dance floor in the bar area there, getting ready to leave and this woman, walks up to me and starts talking to me. Started a conversation, not even sure what it was. I think it was something about some TV personality. <laughs> if I remember right. And that woman was our peg, our pego, you know? And um, so continued to spend some time chatting with her, met the friend she was with. There was Sid, Sandy and Cindy and Sue learned how they knew each other. They attended a, 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 this, a same Christian ministry. Some had been wows together, W-O-Ws. And I said, okay, I'll bite. W-O-W, women out west. <laughs> but <laughs> talk, talked a little bit more about that and did a little dancing, hung out with those guys. But the most important, probably the most significant thing was Talking with Peg, found out why she was in Minnesota. She was studying real classic realism in art school and how she and a partner had opened a, a gallery in Alexandria, Virginia. And um, I looked at that and I went, this woman has a purpose. <laughs> this woman has a reason for why she's doing what she's doing. And for a guy who didn't at that point, but knew that there needed to be one, that piqued my interest. Next day, called her up, said, hey, you want, you want to get together, hang out, do something? And she said, to my surprise, she said, yeah, sure. That sounds good. But it'll have to be later because first I'm going to go to my Bible fellowship. Pause briefly and then said, unless you want to go with. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the other end of the line, kind of took a bit of a gulp and it said, okay. <laughs> so that night went to my first Bible fellowship, enjoyed it, 
So I uh, actually got into the word of God for <laughs> possibly the first time in my life in any kind of depth or understanding. And uh, just from that point on, continued to want to go because, um, and just like Tina talked about, uh, a couple months later, sat through the Power, Power for Abundant Living class and Dr. Will, Will, Will talking about how the word of God is perfect. It fits like a hand in a glove. It works with math, mathematical exactness, scientific precision in that God has a purpose for what he says, where he says, why he says it, how he says it, and to whom he says it. And then went into how much God loves us, that Jesus came, that we might have a more abundant life and especially with him and saw Holy Spirit and what God had all done. And it just went, now that's a purpose. That's a reason to wanna to, to do something with your life. And so from that point on, I just read as much as I could, attended all the different classes I could, went to the Rock of Ages, following year, headed off to the Way College of Emporia, then had my own WOW experience. <laughs> At that point in summer of 89, Peg called and said, hey, when you're done with your WOW year, how about moving out to Virginia? And once again, I said, okay. <laughs> and, um, so that's uh, kind of where it's been. I mean, uh, a lot of you have known me since that time or, or close to it, but um, just everything that um, God opened doors and, and um, truly uh, a, a purpose. So like I talked about the two opposing things where there is no revelation, people are un, unrestrained or wander aimlessly spiritually basically to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, that trusting in him, uh, leaning not to our understanding, that, but that God will direct our path. And um, so that's kind of uh, how God, through Jesus Christ and his word, reached an ambivalent heart. And basically, two takeaways. You know, first off, how did it happen? someone cared enough to invest in my life and reach out to talk to a total stranger. Each of us can do that. You know, we're all called to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. So because of that and uh, that example and God's expectation, that's what I've wanted to do as well sometimes successful, sometimes not, but definitely with my family, my girls, and my wonderful wife, who is really the, <laughs> the, the driving force and factor of a beautiful heart and that kind of stuff. You know, we've had the opportunity to expose our daughters to the word of God, yeah. not to just hopefully know of God, but to know God. And, and um, that that has been our, our desire. And, you know, just like each of us, once we receive that, then it's our responsibility of what we do with it, mm. you know, and ultimately 
we will answer to the Lord, give an explanation for what we did with our life, you know? So just that in and of itself is a reason. It's a purpose. It's a vision to not just know God, but not just know of God, but to know God and uh, just to everything that's pursued since that night at Bennigan's, <laughs> it's made my life way better. So that's kind of what I wanted to share. I didn't really give Ron a, a rock star introduction, but I just want to say, if you look up the word faithful in the dictionary, Ron's picture is there. Ron is my brother from another mother. Ron is my wingman. Ron has seen me go through so many iterations of Peg back when I was the total something that rhymes with witch. <laughs> and hopefully Jesus has calmed me down a lot and I'm not quite that hot tempered and hot headed anymore. I pray somebody please give me an affirmation that I've changed. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. But um, Ron is just, uh, I know almost all of his family because he has witnessed so much and gotten so many people in his family. And I was so close to his mom. God rest her soul. She was one of my dearest friends through the years. And the whole arms family feels like the family I wish I'd had growing up. And I just love you, Ron, for being so in love with Jesus. So thank you for sharing, brother. Well, thank you. And once again, like, uh, I mean, it's it's one thing for me to be faithful. It's hard not to be faithful looking back at all that you've done for me and my family throughout all the years. So thank you. Big time, Peg. Love you, guy. The next guy, somebody that's such a muggalug. <laughs> I invited him to come live with us when I didn't even really know who he was. <laughs> My ex-husband and I had a house on the property that was Sunlight Farm. And I don't know how this all worked out, but one thing led to another. And we had a lower level that had a very nice, you know, it was like a it was like an apartment. It had a full bath and a bedroom, living room, all this great stuff. And the church was on the same property. And I don't know how it came about, but I think it just fell out of my mouth one day. I said, hey, you want to come live here? <laughs> so the next thing I know, this really cool guy that I didn't know very well, who just had question after question after question and loved James Brown. So, I mean, what more do you need to know about it, about somebody? They love James Brown. They're okay in my book and ended up being our roomie for quite a while. So it's with a, a full heart and a lot of tenderness that I talk about one of my other brothers from another mother, and that's my buddy, Steve Manell. So Steve, take it away, honey. <laughs> well, thank you, Peggo. Um, so Peg was kind enough to ask me to share um, how I came to Jesus and what it meant to my life since coming to Christ. And of course, being me, a former technical writer, I decided to go ahead and jot down my homework assignment. <laughs> <laughs> so forgive me if I, as I read through this, but I will endeavor to put emotion associated with it because trust me, there's been a lot of it. Yeah. So how I came to Jesus. Well, at the uh, tender young age haha, of 34, <laughs> I had just gone through a divorce and I had a baby boy that I had to try to be a father to. And, um, knew that I was gonna have a challenge because um, my ex-wife was gonna kind of make it a challenge. 
Um, shortly after my divorce, uh, I ended up losing my job. I got laid off and I was just feeling really, really down. You know, um, one day I was sitting at home feeling just down and super depressed and scared. And I started to watch TV because, of course, that's what you do when you feel that way. <laughs> and while changing channels, I kind of stopped at a, a TV station where the man asked, are you feeling scared, tired, depressed, lonely? Do you want the only solution in life? Because it's Jesus. Mm. He asked if I wanted to change my life. And I said, yes. It was like he was speaking to only me. <laughs> he said that Jesus can save me and change my life completely if I simply said a prayer with him. Hmm. So I dropped to the floor on my knees and I followed his lead. And when I stood up, I absolutely felt something had changed. Hmm. Now, certainly not that I could pinpoint, but some had happened. <laughs> so in the weeks that followed, actually the next week, to be truthful, uh, a recruiter called me out of the blue about a job in Herndon, Virginia. So I took it because I needed a job. <laughs> Never mind that it was 40 miles each way in traffic going from Maryland through D.C. into Virginia. I mean, give me a break, right? <laughs> well, to my young surprise, meaning young in, uh, in Christ, I met a coworker, Sandy, who was kind and saved. And she asked me ever so kindly, if now that I was saved, if I wished to take a class that would teach me about a true relationship with Jesus. <laughs> I said, I mean, sure, why not? <laughs> um. So I met some folks from Light of Christ Ministries who were freakishly nice. <laughs> and by the time I finished the class, I knew this decision was what I had been needing my entire life. Now, I have to say, I learned while trying to attend the class just how hard the devil was going to try to stop me. He threw the kitchen sink at me while I was taking this class. But after every evening that I attended, it got confirmed to me why I was learning about Jesus. And it kept me coming back. Ever so slowly, I observed my life's blueprint began to change. And I was learning to put off the old and put on the new. So now, what it's meant to my life since coming to Christ. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because of Christ, everything in my life has changed. My relationship with my son went through a rough patch when he hit between 13 and 15. And because of Jesus, when I was taken to the court by his mother to try to strip me of any custody rights, because we had joint custody, not only did the court rule in my favor of an immediate restoration of our relationship, 
but that his mother needed to stop poisoning the child against me. Otherwise, the court would grant me sole custody. I was like blown away. <laughs> now, because of Jesus, now today, my son, who is 33 years of age, and I have a very good, loving, and restored relationship. Glory to God. My relationship with my dad had been fractured from the time I turned 15 to the time that I was 39. But because of Jesus, when I intended to write a letter explaining to my dad why I was so angry with him all of those years, I ended up instead writing all the reasons that I loved him. Mm. Needless to say, it was the healing balm that repaired both of us. And I had the great privilege of enjoying my dad until he went to sleep in 2018. Yeah. You see, this man was my hero up until I was 13. And he became my hero and my friend for almost 20 wonderful years. Because of Jesus, I came to within three days of losing my current wife, Gillian, my soulmate, my best friend. She was going to break up with me on a Saturday. And on the Wednesday night prior, after the insistent urging of a dear sister in Christ, Pego, <laughs> I called my wife and poured my heart out completely and told her I wanted to marry her and grow old with her. Next to accepting Jesus, that decision has yielded in this coming March, next month, 23 of the best married years of my life. Because of Jesus, God told me he was going to bless us with a baby and it was going to be a complete and utter do-over for me from what I had experienced with my son. My daughter, Alexandra was born in 2005. My wife, Gillian, was diagnosed with placenta previa, exactly the same diagnosis as my previous wife. Can anyone say do-over? <laughs> my wife, Gillian's medical practice was the exact same practice as my ex-wife's. Do-over? Both children were born in the exact same hospital. Do over. <laughs> it still blows my mind to this day when I think about it. Because of Jesus, my heart's desire to somehow be able to be by my mom and dad's side in their last days was answered in the most miraculous way, exceeding my expectations. You see, my parents lived in Puerto Rico, and I live in Maryland. And as an only child, I pleaded with God 
I mean, I can't tell you how long I did this to somehow make a way for me to be able to be there and care for them. Because of Jesus, I was able to be by my father's side for a month before he passed. And another year by my mom's side while she finished her last days with dementia. Because of Jesus, we were paired, we were actually gifted with a caregiver who helped me to take care of mom as if she were her own mother. She is a dear sister in Christ, Rosa, whom I speak with every week, sometimes daily. And I have an eternal relationship with. So I'm going to conclude by saying, because of Jesus, every good part of my life has been because he is my first true love. God blessed my family with Christ and a promise that he has and will impact our family for generations. Thank you. Wow. See, again, all kind of stuff I didn't know. Thank you so much for sharing, Steve. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think everyone on here was inspired by these testimonies, right? Video, raise hands if you were inspired. Give me a thumbs up. <laughs> and this is the power of a testimony. This is the power of a testimony. And I'm going to challenge you like they did in uh, Faith Like Potatoes. The next three people you see Witness, tell them about what Jesus has done for you. And I'm going to open it up for discussion, but I'm going to try something new today. I'm going to try to open my, so you can see my screen <laughs> and see the words to this great song we're going to hear called, aptly enough, Testify. <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Can you see my screen? Thank you.
you've got a hand. <laughs> Woohoo, man. We got a story to tell. Everybody, everybody has something inspiring to share with a stranger. I used to say everybody has a ticket, you know, heaven or not, <laughs> eternity or not. My job is to be the ticket checker. Get in there and turn it over and find out what it says, <laughs> you know, because somebody's got to tell us. Jesus said that we're supposed to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to preach the gospel to every creature. And I love what Romans 10, 15 says. It says, how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring good tidings of good things. That's us. So Sue, if you want to stop the recorder, I'm going to open it up, open